first ever episode of the TARDIS Time Rotor, a brand new podcast that we've decided to start to celebrate the 50th anniversary. We are Nick and Bob, and my reason for wanting to start this is because of the 50th anniversary, there is so much Doctor Who news and things to talk about. So first over to Bob, Why, what's your main reason for wanting to start this podcast? Well, very similar to you. Um, Doctor Who has been something that's been a, a key factor in my life for more years than I care to remember, and it's always brought myself a lot of joy uh, and a lot of pleasure, and it's one of those things that I think I've always wanted to um, talk about a bit more. So I enjoy talking to people such as yourself, Nick, uh, but why not just talk to a slightly wider audience now that we're in the 21st century and we have such means? Yeah, why not? I mean, yes, similarly, I've watched Doctor Who since I was a kid back in um, the early 70s. I think the first Doctor I can remember was um, the white-haired guy whose name suddenly escapes me. John Pertwee. Um, John Pertwee, of course. And uh, that's one thing that will be common in these podcasts. I am awful with names, so I'll be relying on Bob to remind me of the names of Doctors and uh, bad guys and things. Um, and generally, Bob is the font of all knowledge, as far as I'm concerned, on all things Doctor Who, whereas I see myself more as a avid fan, but not an expert by any means. So hopefully able to act as your voice, the audience's uh, voice on the topics. So we've got a, a rough outline of what we're hoping to cover in this podcast, which I've summarised as uh, universal news to cover what's going on in the world. And then particularly to talk about the 50th anniversary and what's going to be coming up with that. So over to Bob, I think, about what's been going on in the Hooniversal News. Well, it's been quite exciting recently. There's been so much new things that have come out. You've gone from a situation where uh, three or four months ago, um, all sudden told, it looked like things were going to be a bit of a damp squid this year for the... Uh, anniversary celebrations, uh, despite Stephen Moffat saying on numerous occasions, including the Doctor Who convention in Cardiff uh, last year, that um, Doctor Who would own television for the 50th anniversary and leading up to the 50th anniversary. Um, about four months ago, all it looked like we were going to be seeing on the TV was, I say all, um, was the anniversary special and also the uh, Adventures in Time and Space, which, like any sort of large-scale TV production, uh, a better one-off, needed a long production cycle and and, and ramp-up to do, so it would have been very difficult for them to keep that uh, quiet and secret. Mm. I mean, both of those things do look like they're going to be really good fun and things, but it did look like that was going to be all we were going to be seeing. And as one of the longest-running TV programmes reaching its 50th anniversary, that that would have seemed a bit of a pity to miss out. Indeed, indeed. But then, about two months ago, news of other productions and other uh, ways of celebrating the anniversary came out. Um, And uh, we've now got, uh, I use the phrase, a plethora of (laughs) Doctor Who uh, items on television, radio, online, and so forth. Uh, and uh, it's it's quite amazing. It's it, and as a long-term Doctor Who fan, I'd never thought I'd see the day when we would have so much Doctor Who on the television uh, uh, and otherwise available. It's just 
quite exciting. And Yeah, I mean, the, the schedule's full of it, isn't it? Indeed. I mean, we're recording this on the Sunday before the actual anniversary broadcast mm-hmm. uh, at the time of writing. Is that right? Or broadcast. Um, and, you know, already we've had some excellent Doctor Who coverage. Um, we've had the science of Doctor Who, uh, which I've only seen parts of. Oh, I did manage to watch that, actually. Yes, I was uh, very impressed with that. Yes, I mean, the ad- the advert looks brilliant. And uh, as I'm a member of a uh, Brian Cox appreciation family, <laughs> um, we're going to be sitting down at tea time tonight to watch that. And that's going to be quite quite uh, quite a treat, I think, for the whole family. Um, and Mrs. Bob as well. Um, and uh, that, that that looks just excellent. Uh, the, ad- the the actual trailer for it looks brilliant, and the the rest of it is just really exciting. Um, also, we've had the the monsters and villains weekend already mm-hmm. this weekend. Uh, so two nights of the third evening this, uh, tonight of uh, the top ten, and we'll come back to that. I know in, in uh, come back to that in the podcast, but also even on things such as BBC um, Radio. Uh, for extra we're going to have quite a few programs in there um and one of the highlights for me on the radio during the week which because i i don't know much about it is the story of truck story of truck the story of truck which is uh 9 p.m on the 18th okay i'll have to add that to my diary uh on radio one and truck is time lord rock Time Lord, okay, intriguing. Do you know anything more about it at all? Not a great deal. I've heard it mentioned on a couple of other podcasts um, uh, over the over the last couple of months, uh, uh, and I'm aware that Troc exists, but it literally is uh, Doctor Who specific um, rock. And I know there's a group called Comedian Circuit who've been quite popular and done a few releases. Uh, and albums on very time uh, Doctor Who focused music, but um, yes, I'm going to listen to that and learn with great pleasure. Come come the, eight, the evening of the 18th, uh, I think that's going to be quite quite interesting. Okay, so some of the other things that have been on, of course, is the preview of the episode and the pre-episode that's been on iPlayer. The minisode or the prequel, depending on which which version you like. I see on YouTube the uh, there's a whole section of minisodes, uh, everything yeah. from pun life and uh, the prequels to things such as the the bells of Saint John. Um, mm. So, which would you like to talk about first? Well, let, let's have a quick look at. Um, should we look at the the preview? I mean, there's two previews now. If you include the children need mm. one from Friday night, and uh, I don't know if you had a chance to catch that one. Um, I've seen a a shorter version and a longer version. So whether that's the the two you're referring to, I'm not sure. Oh right, so you got the, that, that's the trailers. Oh, the trailers. The sorry. Trailers, yes. yeah. Oh, in which yeah. case, no, I've not seen the okay. other uh, preview so, episode. Though. So I think we've seen the the sneak peek, which was is literally only about twenty thirty seconds, which is a scene set in an art gallery. Yes, uh, I've seen that one. Where there's a painting, um, and they talk about it being Elizabeth's credentials. That's and I'm right, assuming yep. that's Elizabeth the first. So I understand. I believe from things I've read that um, one of the characters is cast as Elizabeth the first, and there has been speculation that this episode will reveal what it is the Doctor did to get on the 
bad side of Queen Elizabeth, such that uh, the royalty was out to try to capture him, trap him, get rid of him, whatever it was. Kill him, I think, from the, at the end of the Shakespeare... Was it the Shakespeare Code? That's the one, yes. And, uh, yes, at the end of that, she was... It looked like it was off of his head style. Um, yes. A position for him. But um, um, it seems like for the anniversary special, they've actually cast a, a more comely version of Queen Elizabeth I. I don't know if it's uh, earlier on in her in her life... That's what I understand again from the speculation that I, I have read a little about was that it's supposedly a bit earlier in her life than the uh, version that we've seen before where it's well established that they're enemies, as it were. Right. OK, so we'll hopefully find out exactly what he did to upset her. Yeah. Although I have my speculations. Um and the other thing, just on that painting bit, the the bit that uh, I did find intriguing was that uh, it's um, Clara who says that's impossible. And of course, she's been referred to as the impossible girl. So whether there's some connection there in, in that phrase. Or, or indeed, whether she's just feeling it's someone uh, impinging on her copyright, that she owns the copyright <laughs> to the word impossible or the, or anything impossible. Um, you, if In that case, and it doesn't sound like you've actually seen the children need uh, clip, which no, is about no, two or three minutes long. Um, that actually uh, starts off go with the Doctor and Clara entering um, the gallery with um, Leftwood Stewart. Oh, he's actually in it. Well, the daughter. So she okay. was the oh, one who featured yes. in, in um, was it season uh, season six? Was it I'll the take your word uh, for it. three? The uh, the sign of three. Yes, that rings a bell. I remember they, they the were back with the unit again, and and his daughter was one of the key people in it. Yeah, and um, that was there with the all the, the I can't remember if it was the company of three or the sign of three or the invasion of three, but it was the one with the the cubes that were. I think it was the the the, the title they were going to call it was the really slow invasion. Gotcha. Uh, I remember the episode now, the one where all the cubes appeared and everybody was freaked out, but then everybody got used to them and they had they let them into secure places and things, and then the cubes started activating. And yes, started counting down. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, she was in, in, in that episode there, and it's the same Liz Stewart, and the lady who's appeared with the long scarf, my understanding is she's been cast as a unit scientific advisor. Maybe gotcha. it's compulsory these days that you have to wear a scarf if you're a scientist. Yeah, maybe, maybe they've uh, kept it as a tradition, as a tribute to uh, the doctor that they knew for a long time. Or she just found it hanging up in a in a, in a laboratory <laughs> somewhere and thought, oh, that's useful, it's a bit parky outside, I'll stick that scarf on. Could be. Um, so uh, they enter the gallery and the doctor finds a fez, as you do, and mm-hmm. just can't leave it alone, uh, and come up to a set of paintings where the glass fronts of the paintings have been smashed and the Doctor immediately notices that they've been smashed outwards. And oh, which I wonder if that fits with the trailer of the Zygon, is it? It could Smashing be. Smashing through glass? Well, it could be, except that the, um, the, the, the he's shown pictures on a tablet. Um, um, I don't think it was an iPad, but other tablets are available, <laughs> um, where he's looking at the, um, the picture, and it's a, it's an image of what figures should be in the painting. And it seems to be some sort of distance traveller with a hood over his head, so you can't actually make out who the, the one person is, but they seem to be missing. What I found also interesting was that the perspective through the paintings, when the camera swung around, 
It was almost like you were looking through a window rather than looking at a painting, which would be just fairly static. Mm. You could actually, what you saw through the painting differed as the camera changed its position. Anyway. Okay, so that would fit with the idea that the paintings become more than just a painting, it's a view through to a some of the reality or, and things. Okay. And, and then yeah. at that moment, a wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey thing appears in the top corner of the, of the room, uh, wibbling away in the uh, near the ceiling, and the doctor goes, well, I remember this, sort of, um, and decides to throw the fez that he's acquired from one of the display cabinets into the wibbly-wobbly bit. Okay, which could play towards then the mini-episode, the prequel bit, that he's beginning to remember something that he's now got to act in a predetermined way, perhaps? Yeah, uh, because he then jumps through the wibbly-wobbly bit and uh, ends up in front, in a forest, um, we're next to Dr Ten, David Tennant. And uh, David Tennant picks and puts the fez on his head and they glare at each other and cue the titles. So that's all you get. Um, so that's some preview of how those characters end up being together. They jump through some time link that brings them to the same place in the same time. Which appears to be in Elizabethan time because at that I am sure I spied the edge of a dress that looks like the one that the character has been seen wearing in the publicity stills. Uh, so she's in the forest with the Tenth Doctor. Okay, so that would seem to start linking together the what we've seen of the prequel, pre- prequel and the trailers for the main episode itself. So, okay. And so, how big is your Sonic? <laughs> so that that well. scene actually plays out, yeah, in that that point as well. So, in terms of that uh, previews, and then what do you think about it building the hype? Is it are they successful in how they're uh, working? Uh, absolutely, I think so far. Um, I've I've tried to steer a line between being spoilerphobic and actually getting tidbits of what happens. And my feeling is that if they've released it, and Stephen Moffat, being such a person of who wants surprises, if they've released it now, it's not the biggest surprise that we're going mm. to get. Um, yeah, they'll have cleared it and it's planned. Absolutely, actually seeing it in this order is fine to keep the story alive. So if you go back to the um, the bit with the um, if you go back to the bit where you've got the um, name of the doctor, where it was revealed that John Hurt is a doctor, mm, and yes. and that you know if that's been revealed at that stage, though goodness knows how they would have kept that secret all the way up until mm. the actual uh, broadcast. Um, then if you've got that there, then you know, that's not going to be the biggest thing. And, of course, we'll come back to the mini-sode in a moment, but if they can show the elements they have in the two trailers, that I think we'll talk about next, and then the mini-sode, then if those aren't the biggest reveals, then, you know, we're, we're up for something quite quite clever mm. and quite spectacular. Um, well, one of the things I'm, I'm really looking forward to is uh, what I've read about, uh, I believe it was Moffat saying, that he's paying tribute to the last 50 years, but he's also keen to see this episode setting up the next 50 years. So I think he, I read into that that he's perhaps got in mind drawing a line under some of the unknowns of the last 50 years, like maybe the Doctor's name or various other things, and then setting up a whole host of other stories and potential uh, ways forward for the characters that 
we've perhaps not even uh, envisaged until now. I think that could be the case. Yeah, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see what actually comes out and and how that sort of outline is fulfilled. Um, if there is one disappointment with some of the reveals we've had so far, uh, and perhaps we're getting onto the minisode now, is mm. is the setup of um, exactly. Uh, and it was a, um, exactly who the John Hurt character is, because he he was quite vague to begin with, Stephen Moffat, about who John Hurt actually was, but he, except for he is a doctor, and was saying things to uh, in interviews and to the press that you, you've miscounted, you've not looked at this seriously, you don't know what you're suggesting, uh, and he is a he is a doctor. He is the same person, but in the Radio Times, uh, since the minisode came out, he's he's basically said, well, he is the same person, but the 11th Doctor, and he is an incarnation between the 8th and the 9th Doctor, but he doesn't become the 9th Doctor because he didn't call himself the Doctor. So though he's part of the same person, you still, Matt Smith is still the 11th Doctor, David Tennant's still the 10th Doctor, and Peter Capaldi is still the 12th Doctor, because... You don't lose any of those regenerations if you do, if you don't call yourself the same thing. Well, that does lead lead on uh, into the uh, mini episode then, which is he regenerates in a different way, of course, in in that um, episode at the end with the women who you'll have to remind me what they're called, the giving him a sisterhood of the Khan. Sisterhood of the Khan. Yes. Sisterhood so of Khan. Sorry, sorry. No. I can't actually remember those at all. It, it, what can you remember okay. of them appearing in previous episodes? If that's going to be of, of relevance, do you think? Well, television-wise, uh, they've only appeared in one episode from my memory, which is Brain and Morbius, which is a Fourth Doctor story. Um, Morbius was a renegade Time Lord who um, decided to go on a conquest camp- campaign and take over as much of the universe he could. Time Balls rebelled and decided to execute him. Uh, his brain was whisked away, so only his body was actually destroyed um, but uh, and smuggled away to the planet Khan, where uh, Solon, a, 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 a sort of quite mad scientist slash medic, uh, was piecing together a body to enable Morbius to, to live again. And the pinnacle of that was going to be uh, the Doctor's head, but um, I see. Um, that that as as you can probably guess, it didn't all quite happen. And uh, the, the the Sisterhood were based there, and they were basically destroying any spaceship that was coming nearby uh, with their mental mind powers, dragging them down to the ground and and crashing. Um, Which of they... course fits in the mini episode of how the Doctor ends up on the planet. Yes, because they were they were basically doing that because they were guardians of the elixir of life, the eternal flame, uh, which burns and its heating of the rock produces a elixir uh, which can heal, can help with regeneration, uh, and if you carry on drinking it all the time, you can become uh, you can live forever. You don't age any okay. further, and so on. So um, that's that's their background, and there. And it sounds like that it's, it's used partly as a medicine, partly as a regeneration steerer. Uh, what they've done is they've given the Eighth Doctor that ability, and he could choose. Oh, I think they mention uh, you'll be fit or thin or fat, uh, man or woman, younger or old, uh, wise or, or 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 speedy, and he chooses warrior. Yeah, uh, to become the war doctor, 
Though whether that's exactly who he calls himself, I don't know. I'm thinking mm. probably not, because in in the trailers we've seen, he does say, I'm looking for the Doctor. Um, so unless he's actually looking for himself, he's looking for the other Doctors. Mm. Okay, so at the end of that mini-episode, we see what appears to be a, a young John Hurt uh, reflected in um, the chalice or or something i can't actually remember what it was reflected mm. in and um, and of course he's he's old in the previews of the 50th anniversary episode so that to me implies that he lives a very long life as that character or something happens to him to lead him to be old again yes well indeed i mean does the t- does the time war actually exist in proper time the effects of the time war obviously affect the corporeal universe but if you go all the way back to the Unquiet Dead, um, the, uh, the the third episode of uh, the first season back in two thousand and five, they were they were the 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 uh, Gelf, I think it was Gelf there, were saying that um, only the higher species actually knew that there was a time war going on, and um, many of the lesser species didn't didn't know, and they you know it was really these higher beings that have suffered the worst. From the effects of the time war, so mm. what? Could so maybe be... it's a side effect of the actual war itself. Yes, indeed. Or you know, either he's you know it could be the effect of a potentially a Dalek, Dalek weapon, or the fact he has you know in what could be a, a few years for anyone else. He's aged thousands of years because he's lived thousands of years inside this time war bubble. Mm. Uh, so so it's... perhaps playing an absolutely instrumental part of it. Could be, could be. I mean, was it? Would he? You know, it's inter- it'll be interesting to find out where he actually dro- jumped in feet first and became as much the warrior as he alleged he did. I've got some suspicions that perhaps he did. With some of the things the doctor said about, I was at the fall of uh, the um, Arcadia and and some of the other things. You know, I was at the Medusa Cascade and things like that. It was some of the things he's mentioned. It sounds like he was a warrior in, mm. in in the time war or involved in some of the fighting so he's aware of a lot of his history even if he's forgotten tried to forget it which although at the start of the uh, mini episode of course he's uh, the time war's well underway and the character is trying to rescue off the ship not to give any spoilers to people that may not have seen the mini episode um it's quite obvious the time war's well underway and he seems to be trying to stay a part of it at that that stage In, indeed indeed i think it's it's you know it's it's the doctor's um, standard line that I'm 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 not involved, you know, and I think his phrase, you know, I tr- I you know I try to do what I can and and do do good where I can, you know, that I think that would be his default reaction if mm. if suddenly the time lords were were um, involved in a war such as the time war, he you know, well this isn't my war, I you know I'm not part of your society anymore, I'm, I'm, it's nothing to do with me, I'm I'm neutral. Okay, well. Um, I suppose we best move on. Um, okay, well, just just while we're talking, before we do move on, I just want to say that it, one of the more interesting or the things that has really caught my eye with the uh, trailers is the uh, some of the battle scenes, the space battle scenes mm. that appear to be happening. Um, you know, the, you, there seems to be Dalek fleets attacking or being attacked by some sort of things. You know, are these going to be battle TARDISes? Um, yeah, I did do a bit of reading up on that just before recording this podcast about the Doctor having a Type 40, which is a, a fairly standard but out-of-date 
TARDIS, but there were these this talk of battle TARDISes that could fire time or temporal torpedoes, I think they were called. Um, and that apparently appeared in the comic strips uh, previously. Yes, and also um, probably more in the, eight, the BBC Eighth Doctor's book range. Um, ah. There was uh, there was a whole little um, sub uh, arc where um, the Doctor loses the TARDIS for a while uh, and uh, starts travelling with a companion called Compassion, who evolves into a TARDIS. And oh, really? She is the prototype for the. Uh, future sentient TARDISes that can walk and talk and interact with people, um, which you see um, you see uh, in some of the stories before that point. But uh, so, of yes. course, so having read that, the Doctor's wife storyline wouldn't have been a surprise for you to see the TARDIS embodied in a person. Well, only that it was the first. Time. Well, only that of course. It's with with compassion and the other sentient TARDISes. They, the fact that they can walk and talk and do these things is all part of who they and what they are. Where with um, Idris uh, in the Doctor's wife, she, she, it was basically the TARDIS's sentience and essence was placed inside hmm. a walking, talking being. Uh, though of course that was emptied out before the the, the, the essence was placed in there. So um, so slightly different, but. It's never had the ability to interact in that manner with the Doctor or indeed anyone else. If it gets that chance for the first time. Yeah, and I I know we've spoke about it um, uh, previously, that my pet theory is that actually the greatest villain in the whole of the Doctor Who universe will turn out to be the TARDIS. Um, That (laughs) actually the TARDIS is manipulating the Doctor all along based on the line that was in that Doctor's Wife episode of when the Doctor said um, he'd stolen the TARDIS and the Doctor's Wife turned around and said something along the lines of, no, I stole you, um, which to me point to the fact that a TARDIS that's in control of time and space and has manipulated events such that it's getting what it wants all the time. I still think that it's more for the TARDIS actually sort of saying um, anything you can claim, I can claim doubly so. <laughs> and um, and uh, she, she wanted a reaction, and the best thing to do was to say, "No, you didn't steal me. I stole you." Yeah. Um, but um, and I think at the, the events at the start and towards the ends of the name of the Doctor, where Clara points the Doctor towards the particular TARDIS, his TARDIS, mm. um, it just shows that you know, well, as much as the TARDIS might want to lay claim to that, I'm not convinced. <laughs> Yeah, unless of course the TARDIS has manipulated Clara to be in that position at that time to need to do those things, which, as I say, I keep coming back to that theory uh, time and again, but I've yet to see any solid evidence. I'm happy for to be proven wrong TV. at a later date. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if we move on now to uh, the things that are. Uh, coming up that we know of um there's two things that uh, i'm aware of and i know there's more um one's the monster rundown which we'll come back to in a little more detail in a second and the other one's the episode itself what else have we got to look forward to this week um well i've, I've mentioned some of the things such as the story of truck and so on um mm-hmm. was a whole set of things on uh bbc4 extra uh, throughout the week um episodes uh, of doctor who big finish stories uh, such as A Thousand Tiny Wings and uh, and so on. And also some of the ones, Doctor Who and the Dialects, I think is on tomorrow night. Uh, no, it was on last night, but it's still on iPlayer for UK residents. Uh, and I believe Protect and Survive is on tonight uh, there. 
Um, and uh, throughout the week, there's other ones such as um, Human Resources, which is um, the, one of the Lucy Miller uh, Big Finish stories with the Eighth Doctor. So some Seventh Doctor, some First Doctor, some Eighth Doctor stories in there, um, all quite exciting. Um, probably the biggest thing leading up, you now we've had the science of Doctor Who, is an adventure in time, in space and time. Get it right? Uh, adventure in space and time. Uh, which is on Thursday evening, which is the st telling the the story of William Hartnell and the creation of the series. So uh, and the other people and bodies who were set part of setting up that um, that whole event, uh, and that looks like it's going to be quite quite good uh, and a really good homage and um, and um, uh, I think someone Mark A just called it a love letter to Doctor Who. Uh, okay, that uh, sounds. Good. Uh, and um, so there's that one there. There's um, going to be Who's the Doctor on BBC Radio 2 on the 21st. Um, so that's at 10 o'clock. Um, so that will clash. <laughs> but that is, an ex uh, I understand, an extended um, advert regarding the um, Doctor Who celebrations on that day. Uh, I think next Saturday, uh, BBC Radio Wales is doing a whole day of live broadcasting from the Doctor Who exhibition. Exhibition. I should say. Um, so that sounds quite good. Uh, and of course, um, Graham on the Graham Norton show on, I think it's next Friday, uh, his two guests are, because um, he wasn't on this, this Friday because children in need, uh, will be Matt Smith and David Tennant on the sofa together. So that will be quite interesting to, to watch and see. Um, for the younger audience, there's going to be some things on um, uh, BBC CBBS. Uh, including uh, something that looks quite interesting, which is 12 Again, where a number of celebrities, including, I believe, John Neeson and a few other, uh, and Louise Jameson, are going to be on uh, the show. And it's basically people saying what their life was like when they were 12. Uh, OK, that, that sounds fascinating. I know it's certainly, as soon as I start reminiscing back to the early days of Doctor Who, it takes me straight back to my childhood because it was such a big part of uh, my life growing up as well. And of course, there's the main show itself, which is going to be a, a symbol cast or, or whatever the phrase they're, they're using. And it's going to be in cinemas and all sorts of places. Yes, and 3D. A bit unfortunate, it doesn't seem to be being shown on the BBC in 3D. I think now they've lost BBC HD that makes it more difficult for them unless they do a late night repeat and decide to show it in 3D, which I hope they do at some point. Um, but uh, yes, they, the the only other thing, thinking back to Thursday, um, is also, uh, I believe now they've finally got clearance that they're going to be showing An Unearthly Child. Um, oh yes, I remember that one. That's the gas mask one, isn't it? Uh, no, that's the original oh. very first William Hartnell and Co. Oh, one, so going all the way back to one. the very first uh, Doctor Who episode. So that's that's on the Thursday uh, on BBC Four, I believe, after the um, adventure in space and time is finished. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a, a little too young to remember that from first time around, but I did catch that on I think it was Netflix not that long ago. So right. I'll I'll probably be skipping that on the telly this time because it's probably less than a couple of months ago that I I did watch those uh, first right. few episodes on okay. there. The DVD is well worth a search out for some of the extras and the fact that it has the pilot episode on. So the first time they actually filmed Doctor Who is on there as well, with all the production errors and so on. Uh, that and the slightly different characterisation of the Doctor and uh, Susan, which were 
probably a bit more alien than what was in the final broadcast version uh, and things such as throwaway lines as were from the 41st century which was dropped for the broadcast version as well mm. um, which is probably good because it's then left that whole thing much more open absolutely. to allow the universe to expand and go on in lots of different ways rather than pinning them down to any specifics yeah so so um yes on the 23rd there's a there's a small program called doctor who i think which is yeah. <laughs> um, a 75 minute uh, the special which i believe is at uh, 10 minutes to 8 so interesting start time for that one there. And then also, of course, tonight, um, we ought to, I suppose, come back to talking about that briefly, is the uh, episode regarding um, the, the monster countdown that BBC3 mm, have yes. been showing. And quite surprising, I didn't realise they'd also be showing um, adjacent episodes and stories as well. Yep. So uh, that caught me a bit unaware, uh, the, the rundown. Um, so shall we go on to the monster rundown? What do you, what do you think of it? If, I mean, we're still missing the last three. Yes. Uh, I've got my speculation of what those three will be, but what do you think of the top ten? Well, I mean, the, it was a pre-selected top ten, so mm-hmm. it was a closed poll in many ways, so someone had made a decision. Which ones have they chosen? I think they probably actually uh, number chosen... Number ten was the Jadoon. Yes, yeah, and, uh, and you'd have to say, well, okay, over the Jadoon, are there some other... Uh, creatures or monsters that should be in that list? Certainly out of the top ten, there's, there's only three places left that uh, at this stage we've not seen, and I, I've got a fair guess of what those three will be. I, but... I believe from the original list, because I, I do remember voting in this uh, myself, ah. is I, th- I think your your guess of what those characters are and villains are is, is absolutely on the ball. Um, yep. But uh, you've, you've got to wonder whether actually there were some other creatures, you know, you know should 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 the mechanoids be in there you know do they need their space the main one that would be missing to me because it's the one that gave me so many sleepless nights as a kid and uh, particularly nightmares every time i'd go shopping with my mum was the autons yes which i remember being so spooked when i was walking around town that every time there were shop dummies in the window i was expecting their hands to drop down and machine guns to fire out it really stuck with me so disappointed not to see those in there yeah but you can understand i mean apart from a very very brief part in the very first um, um, episode of the relaunch, which was, of course, mm. Rose, um, the Autons haven't really appeared, and they seem to have stuck with creatures that have either been new series exclusives or ones that have been relaunched already. Mm. So thank goodness for the Ice Warriors that they, they were relaunched or they wouldn't appear you know, uh, recently, or as they wouldn't be appearing in this list. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Cybermen obviously have appeared in lots of episodes in the uh, relaunch, so no surprise that they made the top five. And then, of course, the uh, Silence, which is of the new ones that we've had confirmed at the moment, uh, reaching number four. I think they, they are an excellent um, villain with the whole idea that as soon as you're not looking at them, you forget all about them. Yes. Uh, it certainly makes them very spooky. Uh, one of the other new ones that doesn't look like it's going to be on the list, which, again, I thought uh, was one of the perhaps spookier things, particularly for the younger viewers, was the, now if I can pronounce this right, the Vashta Nirada. Yes. Which were the shadows in the library. And I just thought that whole idea of having a bad guys in the dark is exactly what spooks kids so much. Yes. So that they're a sort of eponymous um, uh, villains that uh, would have been 
perfect for this top 10. And if you're looking for things that scare adults, then, um, uh, you know, I, I believe a number of people were really spooked by the, um, the gas mask child from An Empty Child. Uh, Are You My Mummy, which I think, you know, kids at the time found a bit spooky but weren't really scared but uh, psychologically <laughs> i know many yeah. adults who were much more um perturbed by by that episode than, than many yeah. others certainly the things that i found uh most scary are not the um big man- monsters as it were but more the things that are just slightly wrong yeah. because they they the things that get the goosebumps rising and they think oh, oh, i think you're quite thing? right that both the autons and the vashta narada uh, deserved a, a place in the top ten voting poll uh, mm. above the Jadoon. And I'd even say the Ood, because though they have their scary yeah. moments and their appearances there, you know, overall they're good guys. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I would challenge that. And maybe even the Saurians uh, or Homo reptilia. Um, yeah, because again, they're, they're not out and out villains either. Of course, we've got the um, the, the good guy, uh, Silurian, uh, at least in there as well. So, but of the ones that they've yeah. chosen, I I don't really have any major issues with the order they've come in. Is the Silence more scary than the Cybermen? Uh, then, well, yeah, maybe. Um, um, but uh, having actually watched a bit of the, um, the the girl in the fireplace when it was repeated again, mm. yes, the the clockwork. Uh, droids were much more um, scary than, than than my memory remembered. So, uh, and uh, I remember hand, little hands holding onto mine when that was shown the first time. It brought back memories of that one. So yes, I think that that was probably quite a scary one for young and old. And right? I, th- I think one of the the best bits of that is, of course, that it's the ticking clock sound which signals that they're about and kids will be in places where they hear a ticking clock the same as i was spooked as a kid with the autons as the shop dummy uh, being in real life and that's one of the things that i think is is when doctor who really works is when they take something that's in your everyday experience and just twist it slightly the infamous Letty um, sitting on the toilet and tooting back as, okay. as John Pert, we always used to refer to as being more scary than going into outer space and and seeing mm. lots of monsters. But um, yeah. yeah, I, I you know, and and actually the silence are quite scary. And I, I know mm. in the, um, the the Impossible Astronaut, the Doctor refers says every time, or, or maybe in Day of the Moon, every time you hear a creaking floorboard, every time you 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 think you catch something in the corner of your eye and don't see it properly, you know that's probably them there. You know how better yeah, to, yeah. to 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 set up a whole new generation of bedwetting children than to start <laughs> mentioning things like that. <laughs> yeah, and of course, catching things out of the corner of your eye brings us on to the Weeping Angels, which we're expecting to see as one of the top three. And I've in my expected rundown, I've put them at number two. Uh, who I think personally of the new baddies, that's the one that I find the most spooky. The idea that you just cannot blink or take your eyes off them. Or else. Yes, I mean, just... they are definitely a triumph of Stephen Moffat. Um, mm. And it's no wonder they use so much in any of the um, publicity and other things for the new series because they really hit a chord. And I remember the little montage at the end of Blink where they just showed you all these statues and not yes. just the, the Weeping Angels generic form of a female in a long flowing grove, but all these statues around different towns and areas and you go oh yes that's such a brilliant yeah. idea that all of these could be could be actually a, a you know a weeping angel so you know uh, and and of course they brought back in 
um, the last episode, uh, The Angels Take Manhattan, where, you know, okay, I don't think it fully worked, but you've got to take your hat off for the conceit of the chap, uh, Stephen Moffat, to have the uh, Statue of Liberty as being an angel. A angel, yeah. And the yeah. little cherub angels as well. Uh, scuttling around and doing things, I thought that was mm. was very very effective actually. And when it blew out that match, <laughs> the, the whole thing plays to that same thing of the things that kids will see around them every day, the the war memorials and you name it that's on every street corner in most towns and cities. They'll be seeing them and thinking it could come alive if I don't stare at it. So yeah, so the three that seem to be remaining, the master, I think number three, uh, um, as, as you suggested to me before the broadcast, I think that mm-hmm. uh, that, that matches my bit. He's, he's been portrayed as a bit of a nutter without the suave sophistication that some of the other portrayals had. But then he was a completely homicidal nutter when he was in mm. The Deadly Assassin and The Keeper of Traken uh, because of his degenerative form. And... Anthony Anley, um, the, 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 the Doctor uh, playing that through the 4th, 5th and 6th and 7th Doctor, uh, the Master there. Uh, yeah, a bit more, less suave, less sophisticated. So, you know, every time someone regenerates, they have a different set of characteristics. If you want him to be a barking, barking nutter, uh, uh, as John Sin's version is, then why not? <laughs> but of course, the John Sims version with the um, the drums and things was uh, one of my favourite episodes of the new series. Uh, I just thought the whole idea of the the sound of the drums that's there all the time, that's part of the things that, because of his experience early in life, had helped make him go insane and so forth. Well, looking through uh, the untempered schism, which then, of course, re- was revised slightly by RTD to become a um, a, a, a Time Lord ploy to use him as a way of getting back into um, the universe from the time yep. war. So, yep. you know, um, one of the things that RTD was always very good at was reusing ideas he's already used um, in a new and imaginative way that links the two together in a, in a fairly clever way. So, um, yeah, I, of, of the three remaining that I think we're expecting, I'm, I'm quite happy for the master to be number three. But then, of course, the Weeping Angels are facing probably the big bad, uh, yeah. The Daleks. And... Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have Doctor Who without the Daleks. They, they sort of go hand in glove. Um, they are so closely linked that I can't see them being anything but number one. Yeah, and, and I, I think, though actually in many ways, the Weeping Angels are more scary than the Daleks. Mm, they certainly are to me. Um, when you're young, though, and they are terrifying with their barking voices and their moving around and um and extending people at the drop of a hat yeah so i think they're they're pretty pretty damn good um and i think they're going to be top of the power because there's going to be a number of people me included who just thought how can you have a 50th anniversary monster pole and not vote the diets on top and yeah that's right I, th- I think if there's there's two things that are iconic about doctor who it's uh, the Daleks and the TARDIS. Indeed. And I, and so, and I think you, you would be very difficult to, to have a monster pole celebrating the 5th anniversary without having the um, the Daleks at the top. So, yes, I, I totally agree with that one. I think we're going to be expecting them at the top of the top of the pile. Yeah. And I should be tuned in tonight to find out. <laughs> and, of course, uh, next 
podcast episode, if we're wrong, of course, we'll be able to talk about why whatever was picked to be number one was perfectly the right choice. Yes, and, and by all means, uh, everyone uh, do get back to us. Um, you'll find that we, we have uh, Twitter and email accounts where we want to hear your views as well and, and start a dialogue with us. Um, there's the uh, Twitter account at TARDIS Time Rotor, all one word. And you can email us at tardistimerotor at gmail.com. And anything you'd like us to just talk about or discuss about or propositions or just disagree with us, by all means get in touch with us using any of those uh, means. And we'll look forward to hear, uh, listening from you. Okay, which just leaves uh, us then with what's next after next Saturday? Um, is there anything left? Will there be anything? <laughs> I don't think there'll be much of me left after Saturday, actually, to be honest. Um, well, we'll have the anniversary uh, special, as I said, at 7.15. Be there or be squared next Saturday on the 23rd of November, 2013. Gosh, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's next? Well, to be there's honest... a Christmas episode, I believe. There is a Christmas episode. Uh, if you are someone who's desperate to see it in 3D, um, I had a quick look at uh, some of the local cinema rundowns, and certainly the, the local one to us, and a few of us are showing later night showings in 3D. So if you're really desperate to see it in 3D, and it does at the moment look like the BBC aren't going to broadcast it in 3D, in 3D which is a real shame um, at some point, then do have a look at uh, go to your local cinema if you're desperate and you might still find some tickets available. I had a look yesterday and there were still tickets available um, at our local cinema and maybe yours. And They are putting on extra showings. My local cinema went from one showing to three consecutive showings at the same time. Um, Which shows just how popular it must be. Absolutely. They must have the Absol bookings and demand there for it. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's one of those things where it's, it's just... It's... it's just proven more popular and been, and there's more of an ongoing following there than probably at any time in its history. Certainly the last eight years since its return has made a massive difference to the to the series and I, and, and that's just brilliant. As a, as a Doctor Who fan it just means there's going to be more new Who all the time. Um, <laughs> so I don't think there's a lot of things uh, planned following well, the Saturday We've got episode. a whole new Doctor of course. Except uh, that's been recorded at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, I think they've actually finished the, the, the all the um, principal shooting on the Christmas special. Uh, I, I think I read somewhere that uh, all that has actually been completed. So Matt Smith has donned a wig and appeared in the Christmas special and the regeneration scene into Peter Capaldi. The Twelfth Doctor has occurred. Um, in some ways, it would be nice to think they might shake things up a bit and either end Day of the Doctor with a regeneration or very early in the regeneration story do that. However, a few things that I've, I've, I've read or um, that seem to disprove that is it appears that Peter Capaldi only did a day or so's filming, if that, for the uh, Christmas special. And actually, I think they've got into a bit of a tradition that they regenerate at the end. You know, the last episodes are a swan song for the current Doctor, and this will be uh, 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 an opportunity for Matt Smith to say his goodbyes without carrying the weight of a whole 50th anniversary special. And it will be his last chance to shine and show just what a, an excellent actor he, he has been and is in mm. the role. Which, 
which has made, made me think one of the things we didn't get to talk about this uh, podcast episode, but maybe for one for the future, is our personal favourite doctors and how they match with the public's opinions. Yes. And maybe that's another thing that the audience could... Over 50% of the Twitter. Radio Times poll voted for um, David Tennant uh, as the 10th Doctor, as being the best Doctor. Uh, and I can see why. I, he was extremely good in the role. I believe the next closest one was Matt Smith. And again, absolutely brilliant. Um, and maybe that's one of the things we'll do in, for one of the podcasts between now and the Christmas special is, is a brief rundown of all the Doctors and our pros and cons. And perhaps we'll do our, our personal top 11s <laughs> uh, yep, yep. Uh, of which Doctors we think are uh, the, the best and why. Uh, and what bits, what perhaps rather than doing a, a straightforward top 11 when we talk about this in the meanwhile, is maybe look at what we thought were good and bad things regarding the different doctors. Mm. Yep. What worked and what so didn't then, work. then the only other thing after that that I'm aware of is, of course, there'll be a new series next year. But I don't think we know yet what the timetable is for that to be released. Is that right? Yeah, I don't think that's been confirmed at all. Um, the r- rumour I've heard is that we're looking for a September launch. Um, wow. I only hope that if they do wait that long that they show a full 13 episode series in one block um, I think there's been pros and cons for having split seasons but I think I definitely err on the side that there's more cons than pros yep. yeah no same here I, I didn't particularly take to the idea of splitting it up I'd much rather um, have it as a block that's what happens at that time of year it's Doctor Who season as it were and you get to enjoy them all the way through I think that's right, yeah. And the, and uh, I think if you look at things like season one and season two, uh, three and four, that's just worked so much in their favour that they've been able to build a continuous story. And even season five, which was shown in a single run, works so well. I think the splitting of season six and seven um, may make for a more cost-effective thing for the BBC. Uh, they get in some ways more bang for the buck. You've got two season openers in some ways at the price of one, but... I I don't think it works as well, and I think for um, keeping the audience online and, and good storytelling and being able to do a, a, an element of story arc, I think you need a, a single show instead of a single run. Yep. Okay, well, I think that's uh, about time for us to wrap up there. Uh, One of the thoughts that's just struck me there is this is, of course, the 50th anniversary of the uh, Doctor Who series, and maybe we'll still be here in 50 years' time talking about it. Although I sincerely plan to doubt it, but uh, it would be good. Uh, I'll actually be personally happy if we make the 50th episode, let alone the 50th year. Um, But for now, I think we'll wrap it up there. So thanks for listening and do please remember to get in touch with us via Twitter or Gmail at TARDIS Time Rotor. Uh, so that's at TARDIS Time Rotor on Twitter and TARDIS Time Rotor at gmail.com. We look forward to any comments and suggestions of things we might talk about in future episodes. Any last words you'd like to leave us with, Bob? Stay tuned and watch on the 23rd and enjoy. Mm-hmm.